Welcome to Evolution of a Wild Heart, the podcast, where we connect people with nature. And I am your host, Joanne Helfrich Sullum. And today's guest is Rosemarie Serrazzo, a urban shaman. And she's going to explain what that is and what a shamanic journey is compared to meditation that a lot of us do every day. So welcome, Rosemary. Joanne, nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me into your circle of energy. Thank you for being here. This is an exciting show and I'm really interested in learning all about a shamanic journey. So tell me, what is the difference between doing a shamanic journey and, uh, say, a meditation? Uh, The differences are somewhat subtle, but yet vast at the same time in reference to the difference between shamanic journeying and meditation or even looking up a totem. The uh, there's symbolism in any one of those that can be derived. If we're meditating, mostly uh, people are looking to get to a, a point of centering themselves and removing themselves from the outer world, finding some inner peace. There are various types of meditation, so I'm being very general. But the point of the meditation is to release and find a center point of silence and peace and therefore reducing stress and uh, it helps the body on different levels of our being uh, because we're shifting our energies and what is the same is that these energy shifts are have to do with altered states of consciousness and that means the brain waves are changing and the oscillations of our brains are changing so that structure within the human body is similar, but how we go about it and the results we might derive from it are very different, at least in my estimate, how I estimate it and the experience I've had with others and my understanding of it. So for example, meditation, one might just want to get to a point and repeat a mantra. And in that repetition, one can then release the outer world, their consciousness, their thoughts, and come to a place of centeredness. And in there, they're releasing a lot of their stress. Now, again, that's a simplification. That is not what shamanic journeying is about. Uh, In reference to going into a book and choosing a totem, let's say there are some uh, cards and books for choosing one's animal spirits. You might be familiar, there are a few out there right now. So I can go into a deck of cards about animals and I can lay them on the table and turn one over and that card is a particular animal and what is the wisdom of that animal and I could re- um, I, I can extrapolate something uh, of a teaching from that simply because every every living creature, whether it be an animal, a tree, a person or whatever, has something to teach and has a symbolism, and that's all very well and good. However, a shamanic journey is something that is very different unto itself. It's a very, very ancient practice. It has some deviations of it from around the world. Which culture is it from? They're all ancient cultures, 
and the language of that culture uh, and what the symbology would be. The way that we perceive it here in the United States, uh, it's the animal family that we're familiar with. Bears, deer, horses, uh, and even in the ocean, that which swims in the ocean, we have more popular uh, mammals and fish such as the porpoise or the dolphin, such as the shark or the whale. So in our Western culture, we, we have a family of animals that mostly we're used to, and the language of the animal is in that type of animal. If, if I lived in an area with Eskimos, my favorite animal might be um, a, uh, a seal or something of that nature, but you, you don't find that coming up too often in people that are from the West, like we are, from the United States particularly, even in Canada. Um, so with that in mind, the journeying that we do, really, it's also an altered state of consciousness. Our brain waves are going to change, the oscillation uh, changes the, the levels of the energy, and that helps us go into an altered state, such as meditation does. Choosing a totem from a book doesn't alter our brain waves, but meditations if it's done properly, do. So it's, it's better to compare those to meditation to shamanic journey. But again, the meditation is somewhat stagnant. We're in one place doing one thing repetitiously with an end result of releasing stress and centering ourselves. And again, I'm being very, very basic and simplistic. And I just want to ask you, what about when an animal uh, shows up in your life? whether on television or in real life or in your thumbing through a magazine and particular animal. And I've had this personal experience. I've known other people do uh, with a maybe a little bird showing up at your window or something maybe more exotic that you connect to in a very deep spiritual way. And you're talking about, you know, your continent that you've run in, your environment that you've grown up in, that you grow up in, uh, but there are people who connect to things that are on the other side of the world, and they don't know why. Um, is that related to, uh, is, is that can be related, can they discover more through a shamanic journey, or is that more in the area of totem animals, and what is the defining difference between a totem animal? Like it's, it's fun to go through the cards and pick an animal, and sometimes you can go through it three or four times and that same animal will be coming up for you. But uh, in terms of doing something deeper work like you do, what would be the difference in those uh, defining factors in that? And, uh... Well, again, we're speaking of, uh, we're speaking of the non-ordinary realities, what a shaman would call the world that is not of the physical or the consciousness. And in that space, that vibrational space, that esoteric um, level of experience and mystery and magic, anything is possible because there are so many avenues to that experience. As you pointed out, one might have uh, an animal that comes to them from a whole different culture, a different part of the world that's not the archetype of what we might be used to, but it's somehow it's in their consciousness. There's no definitive way to answer that because 
of the mysteries of the universe, that animal could be coming back from a prior lifetime, for all we know. And that animal uh, spirit is coming with a message. Shamanic journeying is, is the intent of a shamanic journey is to going into non-ordinary reality, removing oneself from conscious mind. Um, and, and that is by shifting the brain oscillations. Again, that's done through repetition of drumming or rattling, sometimes even chanting. Uh, it's, it's within that shift that we can remove ourselves from the limitations of our conscious world. And in that, the magic can happen, whether it is an animal coming to us from another lifetime, whether it is an animal coming to us even from another planetary experience. We don't know. The universe is too broad to have definitive answers. But primarily, that animal is coming as a gift from the universe, from that which is the creator of all things. And that animal is coming to us with a message. So whether we are going into a journey to retrieve the message or we receive that message in a dream or even if a message comes to us in an animal, uh, in a meditation, however it gets to us is life's way of n tapping us on the shoulder and saying, you need to know something because we're so distracted by the outer world, especially in the days of technology all the electrical wires and everything that interfere with our, uh, with our consciousness, our brain waves and all that. So we have to get into a place that we can release ourselves from the outer world, go into the inner world. Meditation can do that. Shamanic journeying can do that. Uh, other than that, if we have a vision, regardless of how distracted we are, it just shows the potency of the universe that if something wants to come through, it's going to come through. Often it will come through in a dream because it's the only time that uh, our brain waves are oscillating at a level that are not of the conscious world. And so we can be open to receiving messages. Uh, and the shamanic journey, the difference in that in these other possibilities is they're all good. If an animal is coming to us, an animal is coming to us because we are so connected. We are animals. We are mammals. Even though sometimes uh, a, a guide could be in the form of an insect or a fish, and that happens also. But mostly our mammal world will come to us and pair up with us and want to guide us and be there to protect us uh, and also to teach us. But there is no one set of ways. There are a lot of variables. The shamanic journey, what that does, that's different than a meditation, which again, we're sit in, to find out in a core in various types of meditation. The shamanic journey is an experience. We're active in that. We're going into, however, another space in our consciousness, in non-ordinary reality. We're moving ourselves from ordinary reality. So we're removing ourselves from our conscious mind. We're removing ourselves from our logical mind, and we're going into a sp space uh, more of a theta uh, oscillation brain wave, even though we can go beyond theta. And in that, we have released the outer consciousness, and we're in a trance-like state. We're brought there, or we're helped guided there by the facilitator. And we go into that space to have 
a an experience with another being. If we're going in there uh, calling on our animal guide or our animal spirit, then if we have one that's been waiting for us or is there to help guide us, that animal guide or spirit or that power animal, whatever we want to define it as, will show itself to us. It could be with us from when we're very little, uh, but we lose those memories and maybe at some later point, we're 40 years old, we're taking our first shamanic journey, and suddenly this animal comes to us and we remember, wow, I had this experience with that animal when I was a little girl and I had totally forgotten about it. However, it could be any animal. It's the animal that is paired with us vibrationally, that has a message that is specific to what our needs are. And when we go to retrieve that animal, we're having experience. We're not sitting in one place being still and breathing in and releasing. No, we could be running across a field. Uh, we could be swimming in an ocean. Uh, we could be walking and climbing a hill. Depending on where that journey is taking us, we're having an experience that's beyond the stillness. However, that experience is in an altered state of of reality. And that's what makes it exciting, adventurous, interesting to you, to most people that like to step in and discover what this kind of therapy is all about. Because it is a therapy. It's a therapy that can help us heal, help us grow, that helps us empower ourselves. The messages that we retrieve are messages that are meant for us. Someone else isn't telling us what their message is. We're going into that space. We're retrieving that message from the, the universe with all its mysteries and power that we don't tap into in ordinary reality and ordinary life. And to do that, we often get to that message with the help of a animal spirit. For example, when one connects up to their animal spirit, we will follow, or we may follow, I should say, because there are differences and variations. But overall, that animal guide is going to take us somewhere. So I might meet my animal guide at the, uh, the mouth of a cave, and uh, my guide is sitting there waiting for me. And once we hook up, we say our hellos. We may not have seen each other for lifetimes. And, and this spirit is in this form of an animal. And we're so happy to be together. And that animal guide, that power animal, because it is uh, going to empower me by opening up my understanding of life and my own power, yeah, so uh, I have some questions about that. This one is, uh, is that, are you talking specifically about being guided into a journey or can this happen organically? Because that's how I learned how to be centered uh, with nature and animals. Um, how it's learned to, and I talk about this in some of my workbooks and workshops is, how to, if you have trouble meditating, how to just focus on a cloud like you did with a child or the bird feeder or something outside of yourself, but in nature, because we are connected and also disconnected at this point in time, as you had mentioned with technology uh, and getting back to that. But can we do some of this on our own or is it a different type of experience that that I had as opposed to 
a guided journey as you would take one in as a shaman? Well, it's a very good question. You have to understand that life is so broad. Uh, the universe is infinite. There is no set of rules. It's not linear. It's totally non-linear. So for one person, they may have to be guided to get in touch with a spirit that is not of the ordinary reality, whereas someone else is already open. They're already in that space, uh, and they could easily move in and out of reality and non-ordinary reality without being guided. They don't need the shaman's journey. I, I can tell you an experience that I had myself when I was much younger. It, it might have been, oh gosh, 35 years ago at least, if not more. And my first experience with, this is before I was studying with shamans seriously. Uh, my first experience with an animal spirit was I was with a friend of mine and we went to a, um, it was like a nature preserve and it was on Long Island and it was a beautiful place. I remember that day, it was a beautiful sunny day and we went there, they had opened up uh, this preserve for this one day for the public to come see and I went off by myself because it was so beautiful I just wanted to be alone and get into nature. I've always been in touch with nature not thinking anything about animals or animal guides, not even knowing much about them. But I noticed on this gorgeous private property that there was a grape arbor where they grew their own wine grapes. And I remember it, it was like walking through a tunnel of these grape leaves around this arbor. And so there were two sides and a, and a top and a ceiling, just like a grape arbor that you probably have seen. And I felt I was going into this tunnel in nature. It was just very beautiful. That was my thought about it. And the ground underneath me was the, the just dirt. So as I walked into it, it was like walking into a time warp. Something happened instantaneously. I didn't anticipate it or expect it. But walking into this space, there was no one else around but me. Suddenly, I was not me. I was a wolf. I knew I was a wolf. I could see myself as a wolf. I was a black wolf. And I rem but yet my humanness was still in there because part of me was having this experience and the other part of me was, was being an animal. The animal side of me had come out and it came out in the energy of a wolf. Again, totally unexpected. Um, and I, what I remember most is that the enjoyment as that animal of running through the arbor. It was like running through a forest and I could smell the leaves and the dirt under me as if I, as if I were that animal that close to the earth. And I remember thinking, as the human part of me was still intact, thinking what a wonderful odor that is of smelling leaves and pine needles and it's just so wonderful and feeling so powerful and strong as this animal. As, as quickly as I came into that, I came out of it and I was astounded 
by the experience. It wasn't anticipated. I knew it was a powerful experience. I knew because of much of the work I had done, even from when I was a little girl, uh, I was very astute to the magic of life and the symbolism and animals and all that is part of our experience here on Earth. I knew that there was a message in there, and I contemplated what that message might be. I don't remember how long it took me to understand it, but it wasn't too too long. And back in those days, there was no such thing as internet. There were not a plethora of books on these subjects. This work that was done from when I was a young girl was really done uh, in the invisible realm, the ascended masters, the teachers that would come from different dimensions. That was pretty much my teaching and my teachers on this earth. Was that experience you were... You were in your physical body, and I, and I understand what you're talking about. It's uh, I experienced that in creating art. I've experienced that in nature myself, where something just takes over me, and uh, there's this alternate reality. You know, you're still walking around, you're still breathing, you're still, you know, on two legs instead of four, <laughs> but <clears throat> it's just this something that comes through you. Correct? Is that that describes? Well, I, I understand what you're saying. This particular situation went beyond that. I was not in the human. I was a wolf. I was that wolf. I had the experience. I had the energy. I felt empowered. I was the animal. I could feel my muscles and strength running along the earth. I could smell the earth as if I were as high from the earth as a wolf would be versus to standing on two legs and being where a human would be. However, there was still a piece of my consciousness that was observing it. So I was the wolf, but yet I was also a piece of me that if I had lost that, I might have lost the memory of that experience. So when I did come out of, of that, I still had the memory of it. But during that time, I was no longer in my human mind. I was no longer in my human form. I was actually the wolf, the transformation into the wolf. It happened quickly. It gave me the experience, and I learned uh, just by uh, retrospect with that what what that experience and what the what the lesson was. I feel everything is somewhat of a lesson. I'm being taught something by the experience. But just to wrap up, the difference between that and a shamanic journey is that that was not planned. It's not something that I can just go in and out of any any time. It happened spontaneously. My feeling was that it happened as an introduction into another world, into the non-ordinary reality that eventually I would step into in my travels around the world. World. And since that is not a typical experience that most people have, to get to that power animal, because that's what that was, that was the power animal. I was initiated in that short time by the wolf into what the wolf represents, the power of the wolf. What is the wolf? What did the wolf teach me during that time? And it had to do very specifically by whatever my personal life experience was in that stage of my life. And that's what that wolf came to teach me. So this is not something that happens spontaneously, even though we can have visions of and thoughts of animals and connect to animals at any time. It's a different, um, it's a different experience going in, actually being that animal is an experience or being 
led by the animal as if we were one. We were in partnership with each other, which is what this was similar to. Uh, being in the human form and being in the animal guide form, that animal and that human for that particular journey are really two parts of one. So was that the catalyst for you taking this path in your life of becoming a shaman? How did, how did that happen for you? I would not say it was the catalyst, but it was somewhat of a turning point because it was on a path I had already been on. I just was not consciously defining it, nor was I defining any animals other than being an animal lover. And uh, how did I... Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting question to think back. I'm not quite sure how I stepped into uh, studying with shamans. It's, it's something that just naturally transpired because I, I was a student of anthropology. Uh, I also was a student of studying uh, Native Americans. I was very involved with the indigenous Indians of our country and their history. And that brought up a lot of their ancient rites and ancient teachings and ceremonies and rituals. I've, I've always been interested in that since I was a young girl. So at the time, I did have that opening into uh, the rites, after which I started to travel internationally and study with other indigenous uh, communities and tribes and medicine people and many powerful people that were not of my culture, not of my religion, not of my teaching, actually had nothing to do with anything that I was raised to understand or believe in. So traveling the world expanded my consciousness. And some at point during those travels, just the interest in um, in nature, uh, the different aspects of nature. I studied the herbs, the trees. I went into the Amazon. Um, I went into rainforest. I, I went into the West Indies. I went into South America. I went into so many different areas of the world, mostly where the tribal customs were still intact. And just somewhere along the line, I was initiated into many of the mysteries of the universe that I would not have known about if I didn't study with people outside of my own culture. And it was just a natural gravitation because I was already doing healing work of different natures to want to go into it further. And uh, I do remember now that we're speaking about it, Michael Harner was someone that I had followed because he was an anthropologist. I studied anthropology, but I was not an anthropologist. And I did uh, follow him. And he he's the one who wrote the first book that I remember and discussed the topic of shamanism. And uh, in his travels, he delved into that very deeply. He came back and wrote a book. And when that book was first published, I, I did some workshops with Michael. I would travel to where he was. I found what he had to say very interesting. At the time, as I recall, to me, it was the integration of my Western mind and all that I had perceived and delving into these other cultures and different areas of the world. It was the marriage of both of them together. And from then, I went into what he taught, 
And that was specifically how to journey, how to do shaman journeys. And from there, it just developed further and further and further. Eventually, eventually, I would mix what I did with my people, shaman journeys and other things combined. So what would compel somebody to take a journey? Uh, and what, what's involved in that? I, you know, what actually happens when you do a shamanic journey and why have people come to you particularly what uh, what need does it fill to to go into to have somebody guide you someone such as yourself that's been you know spent so many years at sacred places and studied this and uh, has helped a lot of people what what are you actually helping them with well, I can only speak from my own experience, and I was known at the time through a, a nonprofit that I was director and founder of that had to do with uh, unity through the arts, and that was my association with the African percussion, African drums. I started the first drumming community on Long Island. And I brought people in from my journeys from the diaspora of Africa, different areas of the world. And uh, they taught uh, their culture uh, through the drum, through learning of the drum. I was a percussionist. So I was well known in that, in that realm of interesting topics from outside of our own culture. Who is not responsive? to an African drum. Every once in a while I would come across someone who, that was not. I can tell you many funny stories like that, but mostly, especially when this was new, on Long Island it did not exist. And I had many people, I had hundreds if not thousands of people over the years that I was involved that came into my community which was called Earthbeat that I had developed. And through that these people got to know me at the same time my brother had a chiropractic office in Huntington, Long Island, and I worked there doing different types of healing work with people. So I became known for the drum, for the indigenous teachings, and through there, the introduction into shamanism, that door was already open for me because people would come to me. They were recommended to me. They would come through my earth beat. My brother, who was a chiropractor, might refer them. Somebody else might refer them. And as soon as they stepped into my office, they stepped into a different dimension of reality. The work I did was on a Navajo blanket that was a very sacred blanket. It was very powerful. I did for several years. I did teachings in Sedona, Arizona. I was gifted this blanket by a Navajo. And just uh, so many people sat on that blanket with me in very sacred spaces around the world that people would come in my office. I would invite them to sit down, take off their shoes, and I would explain to them, um, pretty much I would pick up psychically what they were there for, and even before they were there able to define their intent on coming, I already knew what it was. So that reputation that I had and the openings that I had in uh, referrals gave me the step into introducing shamanic journeying. Most people had no idea what that was. I would, I would start off by explaining it to them, and the intent of it was to empower themselves. It's always about self-empowerment. People came to me that had been years 
in uh, different therapies and therapists that were still repeating the same stuff over and over. And I would explain that when one can find their own power through a shamanic journey, often through the help of a spirit guide, which often was of an animal spirit, retrieve those messages and come back. And then our connection with each other, I would help them explain what that message was. I wasn't giving them the message. I wasn't suggesting the message. I was showing them how to retrieve the message. And then when they would come back, I would help them to dissect what that message was and apply it to their particular life. And nine out of 10 times at least, they would understand that the question they came in with, they just answered it themselves by retrieving their own information and working with a facilitator that can help communicate what that message was. Yes, well, um, you helped me with something from my past in just a casual conversation. You were talking to me about your time in Costa Rica and the monkeys that live there. And I, I just, uh, you know, just I, I had to tell you the story about Shelby, this monkey that I used to take care of. And it was during a time where my marriage was kind of on the rocks and I had two girls and I was working night and day and trying to do my art career and I was just exhausted all the time and plus I had all these animals that I was taking care of and I loved them but at night I would sit down at 11 12 1 o'clock in the morning with a basket of laundry in front of the TV to take a break and Shelby would just jump on my shoulder pull my hair and jump on my head and he would just keep doing this and doing this and when I told you this story you had said to me Shelby was trying to tell you to play, that the monkey represents play. And it made so much sense to me afterwards, <laughs> but not at the time. And so in a, taking a journey, is that something that like you're not getting the message, but you know that there is a message for you? Would you be able to help somebody with that to go further? Or possibly like somebody like me who was already had a lot of experiences, but interested in taking it to the next level. You know, what what a power animal means. To me, I use power animals when I need to build a strength in myself. And, I, and I'll draw from that animal. You know, today, you need to be clever as a fox. You need to be resourceful. Uh, or, you know, you need to be uh, strong you know, like a lion, you need to be the king of your kingdom right now, that sort of thing. And then there's other animals that pop into my life that want to give me a message like Shelby that I don't necessarily receive. Is that something that somebody could gain by going on a journey with you? Well, anyone with a consciousness has a subconscious and an unconscious. So anyone with that can go on a journey and extrapolate something. Most people have no idea what the journey is until they get into the journey. Too much teaching distracts from being natural. Uh, so I, what I do is I introduce the basics of what we're doing, why we would do it. People that come to me 
if they don't want it, if they have no, nothing is, is connecting, then of course we don't do it. But I have to say, because of the background I had and why many of the people came to me, they were already interested. They were interested in the, the drums. They were interested in rituals. They were interested in things that were ancient. They were interested in, in healing that was, oh, not part of the allopathic Western mind. So they, they were already in that space. They just had no idea what the journey would be or what their experience would be. But as they came in, they grew comfortable with me guiding them in that direction. It's for anyone. It's for anyone. I, I've guided many novices and I've guided many um, spiritually aware people into journeys that they have had astounding, and I mean astounding experiences beyond that they had ever had, even though they may have been years in study and, and research or uh, healing, whatever it was they were doing. It's not as if they were ignorant to it or they were beginners, um, and yet they still had experiences they would not have had without the journey. So uh, if somebody was experienced or a novice, could they both have the same type of uh, experience in the same class with you? So if they were taking, you know, in a group, because I know you take groups out, and um, I know you're going to be doing a, a series, uh, would that be something that either one... So if I... I consider myself a novice in this, and I'm learning from you what a shamanic journey is. But I have a friend who, who I know has done this before. Would we both be able to gain something from from this? Well, it has it has nothing to do with the person's experience or the level that they're at. It has to do with their willingness to journey into a place that is foreign to them and to be guided because uh, when we begin the journey, as I would have explained already in the introduction to the workshop, I no longer speak. There are no words spoken. It's all in the rhythm of the drum and the those in the workshop I have explained to what the drum's language is. So when the drum has a certain cadence, they know they're journeying. When I change the cadence, they know they're coming out of the journey, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so I have, a, so if, if I'm going on a journey, which I've never done before with you, and we start with the little rattle. <laughs> That's great, I love that. <laughs> then you are going to explain what the journey is and prepare me for it? Yes, I will prepare you for the direction of the journey. So you know that I'm going to be drumming, you're not going to be speaking, you're not going to be asking questions, you're going to be in a meditative state as I bring you further into a trance state through the drum. And the experience that you're going to have is uniquely your experience. Where you decide to go, what shows up, the messages that you receive, it would be highly improbable that somebody else is going to have the experience you're having because they're in their own different uh, aspects of consciousness than you are. And what is showing to them is in reference to what life is asking them to receive, which is different than what you're going to be asked to receive. Everybody's different. We're all on different paths. And our messages 
uh, are different. And these are messages we're receiving from an invisible realm. So you guide me into that place and then you start drumming? I guide you into it with the drum. With the drum. And what does that sound like? What What does the drum sound like if you were... I just would love to hear an example. All right, that's I have, a beautiful I drum. Have, this is my shaman drum. This is specifically just for my shaman journeys. And as I would explain to the class, and this is very brief that I'm saying it now, uh, the your journey would start with four beats. So by the time we begin the journey, the class knows that when I start that, there is no more talking from me or anyone. And those four beats, I've already um, suggested a direction for the students to travel in. Mm -hmm. Those four beats will start their journeys. Each journey is different from each other. They may have a different avenue for their journey than the next person. It's all up to where they choose to go. And then, I, uh, after a brief amount of time, uh, they begin the journey. So those four beats means get ready, we're starting. And uh, you might run off and find yourself a cave. And there you are at the cave, and by the time you get there, my beats are, are faster. It's almost like the heartbeat. And so forth. And I will repeat that at the same at the same tone. Um, I will repeat those beats, and during the time I'm, I'm doing that, it could be 8 minutes, it could be 10 minutes, it could be 12 minutes, it really has to do with the energy of the group. Uh, during that time, that person is journeying, so let's just say, I don't want to put, I don't like to give people my own thoughts, but just to give you an example, let's say you found a cave, and then during the process of the journey, you jumped down the cave, and then at the other end of the cave, uh, you came out somewhere, and, and I'm being very vague on purpose, and uh, you went for a walk wherever you came out, and suddenly something shows itself to you, and it happens to be an animal. It's not always an animal, but we go in with the intention of finding out animal spirits, so mostly it is, but sometimes there's another disembodied form that has a message for us instead. Now this is all going on while I'm keeping the cadence of that drum. And so even though everyone is going into a trance-like state and moving with spirit, this is not an imagination. They're not saying to themselves, oh, well, I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to have this experience. What I've done is prepare them to go into a form of meditation where they can release, like we spoke about meditation before. It's really about releasing and centering oneself. But then the difference in the shamanic journey is now we're prepared for an actual journey that we're going to be participating in outside of ourselves, even though it's within our own non-ordinary reality. It's still a piece of us. Um, so during that cadence, however long it's going to be, that person is having this experience. Again, I don't want to put thoughts in anyone's head, so I'm never very specific. I, I guide the direction without giving the person my ideas. And so that happens for a length of time. And then that cadence suddenly will stop. And when my group or my person hears that, that means wherever they are, whatever they're doing, 
wrap it up and start heading back to how you got to where you're going. For example, if you found yourself at the bottom of a hole and you went for a walk and you wound up somewhere else, wherever that might be, after this, you turn around. If there's somebody with you or something with you or an animal with you, you're saying goodbye. You're not. So why would you ask them to leave that there where they find them and find their way back to where they started by themselves and saying goodbye? What What's the... The relevance of that or the importance of that? Well, uh, again, it's this is um, non-ordinary reality. And that which we come to in non-ordinary reality needs to stay in non-ordinary reality because our life, our consciousness, and how we exist on this planet is in ordinary reality. And we don't want to lose that by remaining in a space and time that is not conducive to um, existing on this earth. So we acknowledge that and we are grateful for that and we leave that in the space and time that it came from. The shamanic journey is about going into a non-ordinary reality to retrieve whatever messages are there for us from a higher consciousness than we are and taking it back to our world, ordinary reality, because there's a lesson or a healing or empowerment or something attached. It's a gift that we're given that most people aren't able to go retrieve on their own without even know how to get to that space. I mean, we can go to bed at night and pray and we can envision if we're Let's say if if we're um, you know whatever our religion is that whatever those archetypes are we can go to that archetype be it Jesus or anyone else uh, in, in our specific belief system uh, but that's something that's already in our consciousness so we're we're taught our religion for a young age that's to the archetype and we're going to go to that archetype be it a statue or just a vision it's already there. And if we harmonize enough with that through prayer, we can also receive healings or comfort or whatever in that space. So there are many ways to move beyond our conscious state. Shamanic journeying, again, it's something that was derived from very ancient tribal cultures. Uh, so that sense of it is in there. So nature is part of it. These tribal cultures are all from different aspects of nature. The animals are part of that. Well, this nature always has its own animal family. Um, so when we go there, we're getting a message from another vibrational level beyond our own consciousness. We're going into a place that has nothing to do with our conscious mind and which we call non-ordinary reality because it's not in the conscious level that we are. And only when we get there are we opening up something that we have not and possibly cannot receive on our own because we needed to be guided to open up that space within our own uh, functions of our own frequencies in our brains. I mean, we have the beta, we have the alpha, we have the theta, uh, and so on. And we are shifting these uh, vibrations within our brain. And shamanic journeying, if they were to work with someone that is a facilitator and a healer, 
over a period of time, that person can learn how to get through those blocks and have these experiences. Uh, whereas they may not be able to get past that in traditional therapy. Um, and so what, when somebody comes out of one of these journeys, what, what happens then? How do you guide them in the information that they received? Uh, and I am going to use a wolf as an example because you had mentioned it earlier and because I am very connected to the wolf. And also, um, it is a very popular spiritual animal for a lot of people. So, so say I came out of this journey, I saw a wolf. What, what, what would you tell me? What would that mean? What would you ask of me afterwards? Like, after the final drumbeat, what would happen then? Well, just to clarify again, that early experience I had, that wasn't meeting an animal guide. I shape-shifted into the wolf. That's a whole other experience, which is a, a whole other show. That's a whole other show. <laughs> uh, but it's what really introduced me to the power of understanding the power of an animal outside of my own humanness. But to go back to your question, yes, a, a good facilitator, whether it's shaman or otherwise, uh, when we are guiding people into their own personal journey, however we get them there, in this reference to what we're talking about is through the shamanic journey. They must be guided to get there. They must be guided to come back. We don't want to lose them in another place in time. Uh, we need to remain uh, grounded to the earth, you know, in this lifetime. We can't just lose ourselves and, and, and expect to live a, a productive life. So we need to guide them back. And then as a healer and one that is very perceptive, we need to guide them into understanding what it is they received and work with them to show them why they received it. It's a form of therapy. It's a form of therapy, but we have, we have the answers for them that have been given to them by a guide that is not of this reality. It's from a non-ordinary reality. And so those answers are from a much higher sphere of knowledge. And so that person, is it's important that they know who they're working with, that they can be guided back and integrated back into whatever the messages were. And to answer your other question, no, some people, it's like anything else. You know, I also, I'm a percussionist. I, I teach drumming. Nobody's going to become a master drummer the first class as a beginner. Yet some people are going to pick up that drum a lot quicker with the rhythms than other people. Some people can take drumming for years and still not be able to play a rhythm very well. Where other people are just, they can, after practice, they can play well. And then there are other people that are just a natural and they pick it up instantaneously. It's like that with anything that has to do with a learning situation because it's all about our brain capacity, our brain ways, and also how we allow ourselves to relax into it and to enable ourselves uh, to become more expert. So you might need a whole bunch of journeys or you might not need. And that's something that only you will determine by going through and finding out. Yes, but but coming out of that first journey with you and saying, well, I I walked down this road and there was a white wolf at the end of it and say there are other three other people in the group 
that maybe saw a wolf, but one on the mountain, one in the forest, one, you know, in a different situation. How would you guide us to understanding that? And how would we use that power animal in our, uh, how did you say, our, uh, our conscious life? You, you discussed the bird, right? Or you discussed a monkey. We had discussed a couple of your experiences. Yes. Let's go back with the monkey. So um, you had this experience with a monkey. Let's say that's the experience you had on a journey we did. Mm -hmm. And you came back and say, oh, there was this monkey. And then, well, how did you feel about the monkey? Oh, it's just wonderful. It just opened my heart, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll say, well, what did that monkey teach you? What was it? What was the lesson of that monkey? And I would allow you to come to that conclusion. Um, well, just, you know, that uh, it was just a lot of joy. My heart felt good. And then I would ask you, well, is your heart usually feeling good or have you been closed, et cetera, et cetera. And through our session together, we would expand the knowledge without me telling you what the monkey was. We will expand the knowledge so you can feel viscerally. What was the visceral um, experience that you had? What was the emotional experience? What do you believe? And then as you become aware of what that message was that you retrieved from that monkey, from that journey, then we can say, okay, well, what is it in your life that you need to apply this to? And then it opens up the next door. And, one and uh, so each person is unique unto themselves. It's you might take one journey to actually open up and then you build from that. Somebody else maybe can't do it at all. And that type of person probably has a difficult time even meditating or sitting still. And so what I would suggest to that person is to take a, a journey tape and practice with it until they can get themselves to release enough so they can come into a workshop and allow themselves to journey because only that person is stopping themselves. We're all at different levels. Okay, so yeah, that makes sense uh, that they could just do this over and over again and move forward at their own pace. Right. So is that how it differs from finding a totem animal, as you had suggested earlier, that a totem animal is different than what the message would be from the shamanic journey and finding a wolf as a part, as, as uh, it would be to seeing a wolf uh, constantly coming in your frame of reference in your life. Is that the defining factor in those two things as a totem and shamanic journey where a wolf shows up for you and then you have to ask yourself a series of very personal questions or you as the guide would ask well uh that's a such a broad question i'll try to focus in a bit to make some sense of it let's go to the totem animal the, especially the native americans they believe that any animal that shows themselves to us four times, one from each direction, is a totem animal. That animal is coming to us with a message. And that's what creates it to be a totem. And then they might carry a medicine pouch with the uh, symbol of that totem. Maybe they have a wolf claw in it. 
Um, so that's more of a totem. Again, you know, that experience is, it's very broad, so there's a lot of variations, but just to give you an idea of what that totem animal would be, it's an animal coming because it has a message. And again, the message is determined by that person, what they need to know. It's not like, oh, if a wolf comes, it has this message for everybody. No, it has a different message for the person they're coming to, but it's wrapped up in the persona of what a wolf represents to us within our archetypical so that uh, totem animal, often it stays with us for many years and suddenly it can transform itself into another animal that shows itself to us because we have another lesson to learn. Now, in reference to the journey in the animal, that, that it's a spirit. It's a spirit in the form of an animal. Um, and it's coming to us with a specific message. It could be very simple. It could come to us because it wants to hand us a, a stone because maybe we have a certain uh, affinity towards stones and that's all it wants to do that's all it is and we'll never see that again so it's apples to oranges they both represent the animal world but they come in from different spaces they come in from different dimensions within our unconscious or even our subconscious um, and they come in with a different intent. They're both good. We can have many totems and we can have many power spirits. Often there is, I remember one of my very powerful uh, power animals it was with me for many years. It had its name. It always was there whenever I journeyed. And then one day, and uh, I, I never saw it again, but the memory stayed with me. So it was gone in journey, but it was not gone from my heart and in my memory. But for some reason, its job was done in reference to what it needed to show me. Whereas a totem can be a totem forever because you have chosen it and you have represented it in your life. But going on a journey into another realm of non-ordinary reality, that animal may or may not be there. Where your totem, you can put it in your bag, you can put it on your altar. It's always there. You're conjuring it up over and over. So there's no general representation of an animal in a shamanic journey compared to a totem. It is very specific to it's a spirit more than the animal itself representing itself and your personal meaning. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. It's like, I can't think of the name of it, but you, you know, there are certain very popular books about animals. And if you open up, if you choose the card, you have the deck of cards, plus you have the book. So you pick a card and then you look up in the book what the message of that animal is. That's more of a totem. Uh, and that stays. That book is always going to say the same thing. Mm -hmm. And every time you pick that card, it's going to say the same thing. The thing is that when you pick that card, uh, there's maybe an intent for that card to reaching out to you because you have to continue to learn what it is that animal is teaching. Well, I have to tell you, I learned a lot today about the difference between meditation and a shamanic journey. And I'm really looking forward to doing my first journey and seeing what animals show up for me. Thank you for having me, Joanne. It's been a pleasure, and I look forward to everything we are yet to do together. Well, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed learning about shamanic journeying. And if you want to see other podcasts or learn more about me and my work, you can go to joannesullum.com. That's J O A 
A-N-N-E-S-U-L-L-A-M.com. Or you could find me on social media and also on YouTube. And that is Joanne Alfred Sullum. Thanks again. Catch you later.